I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, hi, everybody. I hope you are doing well today. Uh, You know, I am in the throes of transition right now. Um, It's, uh, yeah, wrapped up my last Sunday at Faith Community and packing everything up and doing all the logistics and figuring out how we're going to make the drive 16 plus hours up to Whitefish, Montana. Um, That was, it was quite an ordeal, uh, let me tell you. Because when you're listening to this, we will be uh, finishing packing up, uh, and we will probably either be packing the car, the truck, and cars, and all that up, or maybe we're on the road. Who knows? We will find out, won't we? Um, but it was quite the ordeal to get a truck, let me tell you. So if you're looking to move out of Colorado, uh, I would say you probably can't use a U-Haul apparently, because I went to reserve that weeks ago. And one of the U-Haul representatives for the region called me and said, yeah, there's no U-Hauls. I said, there's none? They said, yeah, everyone's moving out of Colorado. No one's moving into it. So we have no trucks. Um, I never thought uh, in my life that there would not be a U-Haul available when needed because U-Hauls are everywhere. So we had to go with a With the Penske, um, at the time of recording this, there's still a possibility that a U-Haul could be available. They were going to call me um, just, you know, a day or two before we left, which I thought was uh, kind of ridiculous, (laughs) especially if that's the only thing you went to reserve. So we got a Penske reserve. So hopefully that comes through and we will have been packed up and on the road by the time this goes. Well, not by the time this goes out. We're not leaving at six in the morning. I'm just, I told Hannah that's not possible. Um, but hopefully we will be about on the road. So um, thank you all again at Faith Community. Like I said last week um, in that episode, I'm just so overwhelmed and grateful um, and have a heart full of gratitude for my time at Faith Community. Those of you listening who go to Faith Community, um, so thankful for you. Um, the Faith Community just invested so much into my life. And by faith community, I mean the people, because uh, that is the church. The church is the people. Um, just everybody there, um, you're wonderful people, um, and I'm so thankful for you and, and so glad that I was able to spend just over three years with all of you and, and what God did during that time and all the many ways he touched my life through so many of you. So again, thank you. Um, it was a hard, hard goodbye, um, but... God's kingdom is large, and he calls us to different places, so I'm very thankful for that, and very thankful for what he is calling uh, Hannah and myself into at Christ Lutheran Church. So that, of course, is what's on my mind in the intro of this podcast. So um, yes, thank you to Faith Community, and thank you to CLC uh, for calling me. So we're going to have some fun. Life's going to get interesting, and I'm sure I will share some of all, all of what happens on the podcast. And we will all uh, go through this together uh, to a certain extent. Um, And I do, some people have asked, I do plan on trying to get better at having uh, co-podcast people with me. So having either a guest on more regularly or finding someone more permanent up 
at CLC who can um, be my partner like Jacob was at the start of this. So that is my preference. That has not happened because <laughs> life has been crazy. Um, but yes, the goal is to get um, another host, co-host, or or have more guests on more frequently. So you don't have to just listen to me prattle on for, you know, 30 40, 45, you know, the time keeps extending. So with that said, this one's a big one. So let's just get into it because I don't want to keep all of you uh, and occupy your ears and thoughts for too long. Um, So today I'm covering, I'm wondering, are we church growth obsessed? Um, There's a lot of reasons I picked this. It was one of the ideas that just came to mind as I was brainstorming more topics. Um, So I think in light of recent events, I've been thinking a lot about the relationship of um, faithfulness, fruitfulness. Um, It's blatantly clear that we live during the age of megachurches and celebrity pastors. Uh, I'm not saying those two things always go together, but they tend to. Um, And I bet if you took a survey of all the pastors in America, and probably most of the churches in America, and asked them if they would like their church to be bigger, uh, you'd probably get almost 100% who say, yes, we would like a bigger church. We would like more church growth. Uh, and for good reason. Part of the mission of the church uh, since Jesus' time is to go and make disciples of all nations. So numerical growth or numbers, it makes sense why we desire that growth. Um, you can also look at the book of Acts where thousands of people are receiving faith, uh, almost what it seems like on a daily basis. Um, So this is planted into the mind of the church that if numerical growth isn't happening or there's slow growth, um, we must be doing it wrong. But are we? Uh, I know I'm probably swimming against the stream here with this one, but I'm a firm believer that our focus is misplaced if we become church growth obsessed. Uh, And what do I mean by that? I mean that our decisions, vision, and attitudes are entirely driven by the potential numerical growth of our churches. That is the main thing that drives our decision-making. And we tend to maybe paint this as uh, reach. That's a popular term. What's our reach? Um, Emphasis on, quote, slow-growing fruit is minimized, uh, like Bible studies or discipleship. And a lot of times there's a corporate nature or factory line approach to church. Uh, I've been in those types of churches and have my long list of reasons why I don't agree with that approach. Um, However, there are big churches in our culture who grew without being church growth obsessed. So I don't want to paint if a church gets big that it's somehow church growth obsessed. Um, So I want to divorce those two things because I don't think that's fair. Uh, What I'm trying to get at with this episode is not about that, that if you have a big church, you must only care about numbers. Um, And if you have a small church, you must only focus on those inside the church. Um, That's The size and mentality are not mutually exclusive. Um, You can have a big church um, that's not church growth obsessed. You can have a small church that is church growth obsessed. Um, What I'm wanting to really hone in on with this episode is uh, how church health and church growth relate to each other. Um, So let's start with church health. Uh, As I was writing the script and researching on what to talk about, um, I I came across an article that was titled this. This was the title. (laughs) I could say that more normally. This was the title. How We Mistake Church Growth for Church Health. 
uh, that hits the nail on the head of what has been stirring in my spirit during this transitionary time. It also reminds me of something I learned at a conference uh, a number of years ago. This conference took place at Saddleback Church in California. Uh, Saddleback is Rick Warren's church. For those of you who have read The Purpose Purpose Driven Life um, or Purpose Driven Church, Saddleback is a big church. It's a very big church. Their average attendance on a, sun, on a weekend is around 30,000 people, um, so they're huge. Uh, and from a distance, it would be easy to think the, that they're a church growth-obsessed church, given their size. However, when we were at this conference, we went to some breakout classes, and the topic of one that I attended was on multi-sites. Uh, if you aren't familiar with multi-sites, multi-sites are usually extensions of a church in other parts of a community. Typically, these multi-sites are um, in smaller buildings, they have smaller attendance, um, and the sermon from the main church or the main campus, as sometimes it's called, uh, the sermons are streamed into these other locations, these other sites, um, with everything else being hired staff. So you'd have a multi-site pastor, uh, sometimes called a campus pastor. You'd have a worship team, maybe some other staff, um, but it would be a smaller location. And what stood out to me from that class was the strong and repeated emphasis the teacher gave regarding church health. Uh, I remember him essentially saying, do not attempt to start a multi-site if your church is not healthy. Uh, sadly, many have not heeded that advice uh, because of the potential numerics, um, you know, more attendance, more giving. Um, they're just a little too delicious to pass up, if you will. Um, and many multi-sites of many different churches have opened and closed as a result of not heeding that advice. Uh, I know one in particular that I won't name out of respect, um, but this was the exact case of what happened. Um, they were hoping for numerical growth, um, but the church was struggling to be healthy. And as a result, the multi-site only made it about a year and a half, I think, or maybe two before it had to close. Um, and this brings us to an important point. Growth does not mean health. And if the church isn't healthy, growth will not fix the problem typically. Um, that's like, you know, someone's struggling in their marriage and they're thinking, well, if we have another child, that will fix things. Um, like that mentality, church growth will likely ex exacerbate the unhealthy aspects already in existence. Um, growing is not the panacea for whatever's going on. Um, it is also not going to be the thing that pushes you into church health. Um, I've never seen that be the case, and unfortunately, I think people really think that's going to happen, but um, it really doesn't tend to, and, and from my observation at least. Um, so the question, the question being begged to ask, what? What am I saying? The question that I think should be asked in this moment is, what does it look like to focus on church health? What do, what do I mean by church health? Um, that can be very vague, um, and there's probably a lot of experts who've written a lot of books on church health. I'm just going to focus on scripture. Uh, I think that's just the easiest place to start. I also think that's the ultimate um, place for us to start that gives us insight into this. Um, so we're going to look at a few passages, and we're going to start with 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Uh, this is what it says. 
To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So according to these words from Peter, leaders of the church are shepherds who care, serve, and give an example. They are not to be greedy or oppressive to lord their standing over people. Nowhere is Peter saying, you better make sure the church grows in people or you are royally messing up. He's not saying that. Peter is instead focused on the health of the church above all else, that it is taken care of, that there are shepherds over God's flock who care, serve, and oversee. Um, That's his emphasis. Now, let's look at Paul. Uh, This is Acts 20, 25-31. I just preached on this passage uh, my last Sunday at Faith Community. Um, These are Paul's departing words to the elders in Ephesus, um, starting in verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Uh, That's the gospel for context. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Before Paul spoke that, um, because these words are recorded from a speech Paul gave to these elders, before Paul said that, he talked about his time with them, specifically that he testified to the good news of grace. Uh, That's the whole will of God that Paul is talking about. Um, And he did that unceasingly. Um, Nowhere in his testimony does he brag about uh, or focus on that all of Asia heard the gospel, uh, which is actually talked about in Acts 19.10. Instead, he's focused on making sure the gospel is continually preached and the church is taken care of. Like Peter, Paul charges the leaders to be shepherds of the church, to look out for all the people and rely on the Holy Spirit. His concern with disciples leaving the church has nothing to do with attendance, but with the truth being distorted. It has to do with them suffering as a result by being led away. Here we have two apostolic fathers uh, who saw incredible growth um, in their lives. Yet what they charge the leaders with as their time is coming to a close is not to go make big churches but to be caring shepherds who protect God's flock, to be faithful with whoever is in their midst. What about the early early church in general? So we've looked at Peter and Paul and churches that they've cared for. How about um, what the early church in general was like? Uh, We'll look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 for this, starting in verse 42. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what did this healthy church look like? Uh, sound teaching, that's teaching of, from the apostles, fellowship, prayer, unity, generosity, gratitude, and praising God. Those are what define the early church. And my favorite point from this verse is the last, very last point, um, not from this verse, from this passage, which is from verse 47. There we go. We got it. Uh, the second half of verse 47, the Lord added to their numbers daily. While they went about faithfully reflecting the glory and goodness of God, God himself drew more people to them. But that was God's doing. It reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. We as believers are the planters and we're the ones that water, but we're not the ones who make it grow. That is solely God's territory. We can't force growth. It is solely God's territory that, my, my words, they're coming together. Solely God's territory where growth occurs. He is drawing people. Um, we often get that backwards and mixed up. And as a pastor, I've felt that pressure and trappings of the we need to grow numerically narrative. It's a strong narrative. Um, it's a strong mentality in our culture. It's a very American thing. Um, but growth does not inherently mean health, again. And if I had to pick one, I'd pick health before growth, uh, which I am convinced is the biblical model that we see here. Um, because if the church is unhealthy and it is bringing in new people, those people are likely to be hurt at some point. Um, and I could offer you dozens of examples of that from my own experience. Um, so I know that's true because I've seen people uh, hurt um, that have, have joined what seems to be a growing church, but an unhealthy church. And that's, it's devastating um, to see that happen. Um, so that's church health. We're going to shift here to church growth because I, I, you know, think we should talk about both. So I've made my case for church health being the priority, but what is the place of church growth? Uh, we're clearly told again to go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So yes, growth is good if the church is healthy. My main idea is that church health, church health helps lead to church growth. Uh, another aspect of that we seldom talk about is how church fit is important for growth. Uh, I've had a few times in my life where people have told me they were thinking of leaving a particular church. And my first question is always, why? Natural question, the question probably most of us would ask. Um, depending on how they answer that, I'll tackle the topic in different ways. Um, if it's clear to me that there is a fit issue uh, where they don't have a sense of fellowship or belonging within the church, uh, I encourage them to explore other churches. If they are upset with something that isn't like a core issue, it's just something that irritated them, um, I'll usually encourage, you know, extending forgiveness or grace 
to try and bear through that problem, to not just leave because this or that happened and it upsets you. Um, if it's not a core issue, if someone's teaching really terrible doctrine, I mean, we could point back to these passages, right? If they're not teaching, quote unquote, the apostles teaching, um, then yeah, that's a whole different matter that I'm not going to even get too far into. But that's a that's a way more fair response to say, yeah, maybe it is time to leave. Um, you know, uh, and for me as a pastor telling someone to possibly leave, uh, you know, a church seems like church growth sabotage, because this has happened at churches, um, not a faith community actually, but at other churches I've worked at where these conversations um, have come up and I've had to say, yeah, maybe it is time for you to move on. That seems like church growth sabotage, right? You're essentially asking, you're not asking, but you're inviting someone to leave. Um, And I think it is if you're only focused on numbers. Uh, If we truly care about people and what is best for them, the healthy response is whatever will lead to growth in their lives. Uh, To shepherd well means to put the needs of others above our own wants. Uh, As a pastor, you don't want anyone to ever leave the church you're at. (laughs) You just don't. Uh, It's hard and it hurts, and especially if you've invested time and there's been a break in the relationship. It's very difficult um, because you've become attached. And so, it's not really something a lot of pastors want to see happen, and it's not something most pastors will ever encourage. Um, but I think, again, if we're going to shepherd well and we're going to shepherd in a healthy way, there are going to be times where we need to put ourselves aside um, for the sake of other people. So we can't be afraid of helping someone leave um, our churches if it's the best thing for them. And it's really hard to accept that it might be the best thing for them. Um, because if it is the best thing for them, it's almost always best for God's kingdom. If we're looking at it from a kingdom mentality, it's almost always going to serve the church best in that sense. Um, and the reason fit is important uh, is because God shapes each church in its own way. Um, there is no church that will fit every person's needs in existence or be the best fit for every person in existence. Except for, of course, the church that will arise when Jesus returns and all things are made right, then we will be one church, period. Um, But until then, there is no church that can satisfy all or be the best place for all people to grow. Um, I just am a firm believer that that, that's not reasonable nor the case. Um, And so I just want to pivot a little bit here. Uh, Because now I think I've convinced all of you that I am church growth averse, (laughs) Uh, which is not true. Um, I want to explain why I am not. I am not church growth averse. Um, I would like to believe I am church growth aware. Um, If someone walks through the doors of, say, CLC, I want to be able to determine if we can shepherd them well, Um, that we are the right fit for them or their family so they can encounter God's grace in a life-changing way. If we aren't, if it just happens that we're not the right fit, I want to help lead them to a church that is. So my argument here is not that we ignore church growth or avoid strategies for greater evangelism, not at all. My argument is that uh, we need to be aware of the full picture um, in those strategies. We need to have a whole picture view that we don't look at people as just numbers or dollar signs. It's like, yes, we're growing numerically, but that we see them as children of God, 
that we see them uh, in the needs that they have, in the ways that they are desiring to grow, and to see if that fits within our particular church um, for their benefit, for the benefit of the kingdom. That's what I'm asking us to do. Um, and you could kind of state my opinion like this. I'm not, I'm concerned, I'm, <laughs> I almost messed that up. I am concerned with how we grow more than that we grow. Those are different things. I wouldn't ever want uh, growth for growth's sake. I would want growth in a healthy way that is life-changing to the people who show up, to the people who come to our church. Um, That's what I'm concerned with, is that if we have a healthy church, if we have a faithful church, and these people show up, we will be able to discern whether we would be best as a church for them or not, and then depending on how that goes, that we would then be able to help them experience and encounter God in fresh and new ways, that His grace would be in their lives more and more, and that we wouldn't see uh, our own local churches as it has to be us. Um, Maybe it's not, and we get the blessing of being able to help them where that is, or maybe it is, and we get to have an amazing experience of helping shepherd and love and care for people. Um, so that's my main, that's the main point I'm trying to make, is that church growth is good, um, but we need to be asking ourselves how we grow rather than just wanting to grow and have those numbers and be happy with that. Uh, so my reflection, because I've obviously given you a pretty strong opinion on my my view, my reflection, I'm reflecting on this because I'm stepping into Uh, my new position as senior pastor at Christ Lutheran Church in just a few days. Um, So I'm maybe sort of drawn to this topic because of that. And some of you are like, oh, why is he covering this? No one asked that question. Um, But I want to use CLC as sort of an example of of the thinking that I have. Um, From what I've been told, CLC has around 150 to 175 people attending in person and around 100 to 125 people attending online. Uh, so the church is between 275, 300, if you will. Um, now to some, that's a small church to some, that's maybe a medium church and to others, that's maybe a big church. Uh, perspective is the only difference in those opinions, by the way. Um, to me, CLC is a wonderful and faithful church. What drew me to accepting the call was not attendance or financial numbers. What drew me was the people. Um, These are Holy Spirit-filled people who have a big heart for God. Uh, And even though the last three years have been difficult, uh, you can see that heart um, coming through, the heart they have for God and the heart they have for each other. Um, Many of those characteristics that were listed out in our earlier Bible passages are true for CLC and what I've experienced there already. Um, Those are also true for faith community where I've come from. My prayer for growth personally, is for the spiritual primarily, not the numerical. I'd rather celebrate the church we have than be lamenting about the church we don't have. Um, I trust God will bring whoever he wishes into our midst, uh, and I thank him for that. Um, But as for me, I'd rather leave growth up to God. Um, Again, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, you know, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, God, but but God made it grow. Um, I would rather leave that at his feet um, and then then to work myself to the bone thinking it's all on my shoulders and I have to figure out all these cool hip strategies. Um, that's not my place. God, God is the one who helps it grow. 
and again, I know this might be, I mean, it probably is an unpopular opinion in our culture, um, but I'd rather let God create the church he wants rather than the one any of us desires where we're forcing things. Uh, and my hope is that the church is healthy and God honoring above all else. Um, you know, and after all, if you want to talk about numbers, Jesus only needed 12 for his message to change the world and really 11 if you don't count Jesus, uh, if you don't count Judas. So to summarize this ridiculous, I'm wondering episode, uh, big churches are not inherently unhealthy. I don't want that message to come through. Likewise, smaller churches aren't, uh, small churches aren't inherently healthy. Again, size and condition don't go hand in hand. You can have big churches that are very healthy, and you can have small churches that are very unhealthy. Um, that size is not a determining factor of church health. I want that to be clear because I feel like you could hear this, and it sounds like me knocking big churches. That is far from the case. There are very great, healthy big churches out there, and there are also very great, healthy small churches as well. And there are unhealthy versions of both. So size and condition do not always go hand in hand here. Um, moreover, growth is important and good uh, that people are hearing the gospel, um, but it can't come at the expense of health, I think. Um, to restate, it's about how we grow more than just that we grow. Uh, if we become church growth obsessed, we run a dangerous risk that takes the church out of God's hands and places it in our own. Um, it's all on us and it's in our emotions as pastors and leaders is dictated by how big or how small or what we think is best or not best. And that's just really burdensome. And, and I think that makes, um, our jobs as leaders and pastors and, and whoever's shepherding in a church, that makes our jobs really hard because we always feel like we're not living up to the standard. Um, and again, there's these verses I shared that really make it clear that it's the Lord. <laughs> it's the Lord who causes growth. It's the Lord who brings people to our churches um, and that we need to thank him for that and rely on him to bring people. Um, so that's really what I'm trying to get across. Um, you know, I think it's tough. It's very tough. Um, I think the desire for growth is is very... It's centered in the right thing, um, that we want people to hear the gospel and we want people to come to know Christ. So I think that's good. Um, what I think is scary or the thing that um, I would want to encourage people on or speak into their fear, if you will, is that um, even if you have a church and it's healthy and you're being faithful, um, if there's not growth, that doesn't mean you're failing. Um, that's not... It just makes me really sad because I have a lot of friends in ministry who are shaking their heads and going, what are we doing wrong? Are we not being faithful? It just causes a lot of problems where I think the scripture really invites us to um, engage in certain ways, like being shepherds and taking care of the flock and caring and serving others um, and, and to leave at Jesus's feet um, the growth um, and whoever is going to come through our doors um, that we do our part and we do reach out. And of course, we share our faith. Absolutely. That's, again, I think part of a healthy church and a healthy Christian life is that we can do those things or we do our best to do those things. But if growth is not happening, um, I just don't want us to feel tortured or that we're failing. Um, you know, God God does amazing things. And there might be, you know, a uh, explosion of growth around the corner. There might not be. 
Um, but that's not our concern so much as to be faithful people who have healthy churches, who um, shepherd and care for and love and follow the Holy Spirit. Um, that's really the emphasis in Scripture, and that's the emphasis that I'm going to go with because it's in Scripture. So um, if this is an interesting episode to you and you're not a pastor, um, good for you. Um, I, I know this is a little, you know, maybe this is niche. Uh, maybe it's not. I mean, I think all of us probably care about growth. Um, but I hope it was interesting. I hope it was engaging and maybe challenging. And I'd love to have a conversation with any of you about this. Um, cause I'm sure there are differing opinions. I'm sure some of you listening are saying, eh, I don't agree. Um, which is great. Let's talk about it. I would love to talk about it. And you can of course get a hold of me at the I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me on Facebook or if you have my personal contact, um, I would love to have a further discussion with all of you about this because um, it's an important topic. So to leave you with an I'm wondering before I go, oh, oh, and before I forget, um, my goal is to have an episode next week, uh, but with us moving and transitioning, uh, I can't guarantee it at the moment, but it is my hope. It's my plan. Um, I was trying to get maybe two done before we left town, but that didn't work out. Um, so hopefully there is an episode next week. There might not be. So just a forewarning. Um, but the, I'm wondering question as I leave, I'm wondering how did you feel when you, uh, began the next step in your career or vocation? Uh, obviously I am taking the next step. Um, and I'm hoping it's a step that I am on for a long, long, long time. That's my prayer to the Lord. Um, so I was just wondering how all of you felt, because I think a lot of us, um, it's great. It's a time of celebration when when we're kind of on our next step in our calling and vocation and career. Um, but there's a lot that comes along with that. I think there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of prayers. There's a lot of things that we feel in that moment. Um, so I'd be curious to hear um, what your experiences were like um, when that happened. Because uh, the closest thing I have to equate uh, life event wise is when I got married. Um, and that was a very surreal moment. And some of this process has been very surreal in being called, uh, to CLC. So, um, but I'd be curious to hear what your experience and experiences in your life were like. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for now. I'm Dylan and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.